Hey there, I'm so glad you're joining us on the 412 Canada podcast. My name is Kim Hutchins. At 412, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. And 412 is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Ontario. On today's episode, we have Brett Allman. Brett is an author and speaker, which he has been doing full time for the past 15 years. And it all began about 25 years ago when he did his first talk about media at his church. I'm excited about this episode because we talk about parenting and his book, Parenting, Navigating Everything. Brett does such an amazing job pulling resources together and sharing them. I would also like to encourage you to check out his website, brettalman.com, and we have a link in our show notes for that. That website has so many helpful resources that I think we as parents need now more than ever. We also talked about things he does for fun and practical everyday faith. All that and more on today's episode. Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. Do you serve or lead volunteers in the local church? Are there days when you feel less than equipped to make the kind of impact that you want to make in your role or in your organization? Through this podcast, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. Thanks for joining us. My name is Kim, and I'm so excited. Today on the 412 Canada podcast, we have author and speaker Brett Allman. And uh, what an amazing, talented guy. Like, he has so much information, is very well read, and I love everything that he brings to the table. Recently, we had him for our Parenting, Navigating Everything uh, parent event here at Faith Baptist Church, and that was an awesome night. And I hope that um, you guys that are listening will get as much out of it as I did. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that today and uh, Brett has been speaking and writing books for full time the past 15 years and before that it was about nine to ten years that he was speaking and writing as well as teaching on top of all of that so that's a lot well welcome Brett thank you so much for having me I'm, uh, I'm really glad to be here today yeah this is I'm super excited to talk to you I am loving your book parenting navigating everything and we'll put a link for that um, in our show notes and I think that everybody can definitely benefit with all that's happening right now awesome I'm really glad that's out and we'll talk about that today I'm sure (laughs) so could you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now and and what you're doing how did you get even into this so I was a teacher uh, and for people who know education, education is kind of a career. You are in it, and that's all I thought I would ever do. Uh, I was a teacher. My wife's a nurse. And then we went to a Kingdom-bound uh, music festival in Buffalo, mm-hmm. New York. This was 25 years ago. And I heard a speaker speak on media who didn't just kind of bash culture. And I came back to my local church, and I said, uh, the church I was attending in Pickering, I said, hey, I, I, I'd like to do some talks on media. And the pastor said, great take, you know, why don't you can do it in X amount of weeks. And so I did my first talk. And six months later, I got invited by another church to do a talk. (laughs) Word spread then. (laughs) Yeah. And so two talks my first year. And then the next year was seven talks. And then it was 14 talks. And then we, you know, just kind of spiraled from there. We became a not-for-profit. Now we became a not-for-profit because we had to buy a data projector. Do you remember the old data projectors? They were in like a rolly case. They cost $8,000. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, if I'm going to buy this, I'm going to get a tax receipt for it because it's a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, I went uh, probably about nine years teaching and speaking. And then my wife and I, we had a kid and she was pregnant. And it was just, I I was teaching a full week and then hopping on a plane to Halifax for the weekend to speak and then coming home Sunday night and going back to teaching. And so left teaching uh, and then began doing this full-time. And I actually then did a program called the Aero Leadership Program for a few years, then did a master's degree uh, in Chicago in, on lead, in leadership and evangelism. But I've been doing this now full-time for 15 years. Uh, this is an interesting season with COVID. I mean, I, I'm at 78 canceled speaking dates and growing. So I'm still doing what I do just differently, which mm-hmm. is kind of like everyone listening. We're, we're still pushing ahead, but it looks very, very different. I'm also married with two kids. Uh, my daughter Zoe's in first year university. She's at Western, and she's actually at Western, so it's nice. a very uh, 
fascinating time with a daughter, you know, out during pandemic at res and my son's in grade 12, which is, a it's just sad. I mean, for all the yeah. high school kids, but my son will lose a lot of his grade 12 year and, and different things. Yeah. And then Mary, my wife, Don, we've been married for 20, 23 years, almost mm-hmm. 24 years. That's awesome. And she is amazing. I was so nice to meet her when mm. she was up. <laughs> it was nice for her to be able to come because usually like in a normal kind of speaking time, it, life's really, really busy and I'm away mm-hmm. a lot. But uh, it's been nice. She came with me. Uh, your church was uh, the first kind of in-person talk I had done in seven months, oh, wow. which was so nice than doing <laughs> Zooms and other web things. So yeah. she said, I'm going to come. <laughs> Good for her. Hey, and is there something fun that you like to do aside from all your speaking and writing? It's an interesting question because um, <laughs> I, I had a breakdown eight years ago, and mm-hmm. I talk about that when I speak on mental health. And my counselor one day said to me, what do you do for fun? And I told her that I worked. <laughs> and she kind of laughed at me. And then I told her, well, I run. And she said, well, that's adrenaline. And I actually had no answer to that. And so yeah. I've actually taken up two things, um, photography and gardening. Okay. And gardening, people would think is just not me, but I, there's something about, especially with gardening, the birth and death and renewal, there's just all this analogy mm-hmm. that I love. And photography, so there are things that I've just kind of been getting into more and more. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I know I love gardening and photography and crafting. I love lots of things. I have to kind of cut back <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> So let's talk about um, Parenting, Navigating Everything. This book is fantastic. And if there's something that you could highlight for those that are listening, people that volunteer in the book, is there just, I know, one idea. We'll get more into it. But is there some overreaching thing that you could just say, hey, this is for or this will help? Or Well, what was interesting with this book to me was the – so it's not a normal book. It's 226,000 words. It's mm-hmm. 16 chapters. There's 660 citations. And it all kind of well, – let, give me, let me explain how I got to this book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Was at a, I was at a speaking date, and I was speaking on – I think it was mental health. Mm-hmm. And a father came up after the talk, and she said um, – sorry, he said, Brett, how, um, you know, how do I talk to my daughter about sex? Which is a really good question. And I, um, my mouse just died, which is, <laughs> we can as long as you can still hear me, it doesn't matter I can still that hear I you. can't. Yeah, you're good. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, it's funny what people can't see when you're doing podcasts. Um, anyways, I was losing my train of thought there. Uh, so the father came up to me and he said, Brett, how do I talk to my daughter about sex? Mm-hmm. And before I could answer him, he quickly blurted out, oh, by the way, she hates me. Oh, man. And I remember saying to him, like, what do you mean she hates you? And he said, oh, forget about that. You know, how do I talk to her about sex? I'm like, no, dude, forget about sex. What do you mean your daughter hates you? Mm-hmm. Because that's everything. If you don't have a relationship with your kid, uh, you will not be speaking truth into their life. Mm-hmm. And I um, kind of came back that night, and I was sit- coming, driving and thinking over the next few days, and I realized that I'm a topical speaker. I speak on media and mental health and pornography and and sex and dating and all these things, but I don't have anything that really helps parents create great, rich relationships with their kids. Mm -hmm. Like even that this dad in this church environment is comfortable that his daughter hates him, but still decides he wants to speak to her about something. There's a real disconnect there. And so I decided that I wanted one resource for parents uh, that would talk about parenting. And so the first six chapters is all I really began to write you know, looking at um, time and communication and discipline and kind of like parenting styles and progression mm-hmm. of parenting, like the way we parent a five-year-old and a 15 and a 19, like it's, it's different. It's there's so this progression different. of moving yeah. forward. But uh, then I realized, and there's actually a book that I kind of, there's a book called The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it for mental health, it's this thick workbook. And at the bottom, it says like, nutrition and medicine and exercise and sleep. And if you turn to each chapter, all the stuff is there. And I, I think it was my wife who said to me partway through this, this journey of writing, you actually have that. And that's kind of where it went from, you know, just a parenting book to the book, Parenting, Navigating Everything. And so mm-hmm. the last 10 chapters cover, no, it's not everything, <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, mental health, uh, family discipleship, media, yeah. engage in the world, uh, sex, porn, dating, 
Uh, and then I added a few new ones in loneliness, which I think is a huge issue today. Mm -hmm. That's the last chapter in the book, finances and education and drugs and alcohol. But the idea being that as a parent, let's look at creating good relationships, but also these topics we have to speak on, let's mm -hmm. look at how we can actually address them in our homes and in our churches. Yeah, no, that's so good. Because there's nothing like that, right? And, and as a parent, I know we've held parents' events, and it's like we understand that parenting and kids don't come with a manual. <laughs> we mm. wish they did. <laughs> and this, honestly, is the closest that we can get. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I always kind of, and I, I mean, this is really high expectations, but, like, when you are pregnant, you get the book What to Expect When You're Expecting. Mm -hmm. And then you have a baby, and there's nothing. And so I kind of thought, well, this kind of fits, especially in our faith-based world, but here's, yeah. here's a good try to begin your journey with all these topics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so how long did it take to put this together? Like it must have taken Around a Around th oh, three years, I okay. think. Because, I mean, the parenting one, the first six chapters, I was researching to create the talk I have, which is Parenting Navigating Everything. It's mm -hmm. the one I did at your church uh, the other week. Yeah. But the other topics for ones I had to glean, like I, I have about a thousand books in my library and probably a thousand on Kindle. And I had to go through like, let's say the topic was family discipleship. How do I glean the best information from all the different voices down to one chapter mm -hmm. and the same with mental health. And so yeah. for each of those, sometimes I, I had weeks upon weeks, right? I had nothing, but I read eight hours a day. Oh my goodness. Book after book after so book. Sweet. And mm -hmm. some of the books I fully read and yeah. some of them. I would get a chapter in and say, this is not really what I'm looking for. But mm -hmm. the goal was to take all kinds of voices and find kind of that one thing that we can all listen to mm -hmm. or have the differing voices on different topics. But so it took a long time. And then there were a few chapters that were not kind of in my wheelhouse, uh, drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, finance and education and loneliness. So these were ones that weren't even new topics to me. So I didn't have books that were already written or content that I could kind of start from. It was kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. Wow. And when you introduce a new topic, you research it, like how long for one topic? Did I heard you say, I think it was like two years or something. Yeah, usually two years. I'm like, I always say I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. Now mm -hmm. we can argue preaching teaches and teaching preaches yeah. other conversation, but I, I'm a teacher by trade and I think by gifting as well. So if I'm going to like I'm right now working on a new talk called like parenting, navigating everything. Mm -hmm. My new one's called men navigating everything, mm. looking at all those spokes in the wheel that we as men need to look at. And so, well, there's, you know, physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, you know, it's kind of like parenting, navigating everything. There's all those spokes in a wheel. I just did the wheel analogy for a podcast. It's audio. I do yeah. realize that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure people can visualize. I, yeah. But the, the idea is is um, each of those sections I need to, again, begin to research. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them, the truth is six of those ones from my new research are actually coming from the research I've already done. Yeah. But there's other ones. Looking at men, how do we be, you know, men as good husbands? Well, there's some great conversations in this. But like, what new books do I need to bring in? What new thoughts do we have to do as well? And so I like to research and but what I do is every book, so let's say you suggested a book on a topic, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll pull people online a lot, like, what are your thoughts? Like, even this week, I put out, you know, men, how do I be a better husband with a line? And just yeah. you, people say, well, to read this book. Well, I read that book. And then when, when I'm finished reading that book, maybe in it, they've, you know, quoted a few other people. I might go to their blogs and their books. I'll and so it, it takes a long time. But I, I want to create a, a really good, rich conversation people where they can leave with really good practical things that they can implement in their churches, their homes, their mm -hmm. families, like all, all, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, and you know what the key I think is, is that practical. And I love in your book, and I'll, I won't get the quote quite right as I did my notes, but um, you said we need to engage in practical conversations on parenting in order to improve. And then um, just the idea to allow our faith to be present in how we parent because our faith is shown through how we act, what we say and how we parent and, and making that practical. I mean, that's amazing, right? That was so good to hear because yeah, I think that my faith should be in everything, but what does that look like every day, right? As a mm. parent, you want to speak to that? Well, I, I love the, <laughs> 
I love the analogy that your worldview affects and shapes your values, and your mm -hmm. values affect and shape your actions. Now, I think I took that from um, Josh McDowell 20 years ago, mm -hmm. but it was recently that I reread that book that I thought it was from, and I've quoted it as being from for 20 years, and it wasn't in it. Oh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, did I create this? Did someone else create this? But uh, oh. your worldview should affect everything. Yeah. And I think sometimes we over-spiritualize. Mm -hmm. And like, what's hard with that is there's this balance. Like, you can never read your Bible enough. You can never mm -hmm. pray enough. Like, I'm not saying we don't do those things, but it's looking at how do we connect parenting. You know, there's this holistic view of parenting. I mean, spiritual parenting, and it's a weird term, but like, you know, teaching our kids about Jesus is a really important thing. Yeah. But we also have to teach our kids how to deal with mental health yeah. and social media and pornography and dating and everything else. And we teach those things through a lens of a biblical worldview, but there have to be practical takeaways. And mm -hmm. what I've learned as a teacher, especially because I've spoken to youth predominantly, I mean, it's only in the last five years I've switched, I mean, the other way. Now I speak a lot in Sunday morning services and parenting. Too often teens would leave something, and when I'd ask them, you know, at a conference, I'd say, what do you, what do you get from that speaker? And they'd say, well, it, it was, I didn't really take anything away from it. It was a good, you know, challenge or something else. Mm -hmm. And I'm really big on practice. Like, if you don't, if you leave a sermon on a Sunday morning, and it's time about marriage, and you don't have any tangible ways to work on your marriage, then I kind of question what we've been doing. Yeah. And so we, we need to look at practical things without over spiritualizing them like my, my talk on mental health I talk about how your issue might be physical so go see a doctor eat mm -hmm. better sleep more you know your issue might be emotional or psychological so uh, that's where we do counseling and learning strategies and different things uh, but I don't say your answer the answer might be spiritual because it's really uncommon that the answer to mental health is a spiritual answer but mm -hmm. our faith sustains us in the journey and I always say God says we'll have trouble, but he's with us in the trouble. So this is where our faith is really important in things. Yeah. But we also have to talk about other things as well, even kind of coming from our biblical Christian worldview. Yeah. Well, and that's just amazing. And you're right. Like teenagers, especially if it's not practical and they walk away, then it's like, well, why did why did we do that talk or why did we even what was the point of that? Um, so, and how do you use this even to, how do you build an authentic relationship with your child? I think that's something that now that if you're home, that for those that are listening and now it's like, okay, I need to, how do I be authentic with uh, my kid that now we're with all the time and it's not the same. They're off to school. I'm off to work. We're here in this environment together. And, and how can we work on this? What's interesting with COVID is it's really brought to light, um, some of our struggles I think our work and our distance from our kids, they went to school, we went to work, you came home, you had dinner, it was quick, and then went to sport. Like, yeah. it's, it's been a good thing in that it's kind of brought to light that there are some disconnects. And so I think it's important, like for me, parenting and mental health have been the biggest two topics that people have been interested in since mm -hmm. COVID. The third would be pornography, which one statistic says has grown 350%. Oh my goodness. which is another whole, we could have a whole podcast on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like as parents, and this, this goes beyond parents. I mean, even as volunteers in a church, do our kids only think that we, like from a parenting standpoint, that we love them when they follow our rules or get good marks in school? Mm -hmm. Does a small group leader, like does their small group leader only care when they come to church that week and they don't miss it for three weeks? Like, you know, are we, still caring and loving that kid and supporting them like yeah. if they're just following rules and different things and there's there's this un, there's conditional there's conditions on how we love them mm -hmm. there's this really great chart that's in the orange curriculum and if you think of um one line going up and one line coming down and one is positional influence which mm -hmm. we as parents have when our kids are young and then it begins to wane and when you have teenagers you have very little positional influence Mm -hmm. But what we have is relational influence, which begins at zero, and it is the years and years of building relationships with our kids that gives us that relational influence. And we mm -hmm. as volunteers, when we're at church, small group, or even as teachers or different things, we want that. That's why relationship is everything. Yeah. And even today for Christians, right, we talk about from an evangelism standpoint, I mean, people meet Jesus through relationship. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, it used to be... Um, believing and then belonging so i grew up baptist and it was like you, if you believed in jesus 
you get baptized, we shake your hand, you're <laughs> part of our fellowship, and now you're belonging. But yeah. today's the exact opposite. It's belonging before believing. Mm. And so many of the people that we work with, you know, uh, you know, and this goes in our homes as well, right? They want to belong. I mean, it's different in the family. I'm probably be- that's a better analogy in the church world, right? They want to belong mm. to our, our groups, our churches, our small groups, like that community we have. And from that, they might choose to actually belong. But we gain authentic relationship, I think, when our kids realize that we're for them and we mm. ongoing show that we're for them and we're not against them. And I say to my kids often, like, I'm for you. I'm not against you. Like, mm-hmm. it's not kind of us and them, parents versus kids. Like, you know, when we, our kids were young, my wife and I kind of made a vow that we're going to say yes to everything that we can. Oh, wow. Because too often as parents, we say no. Yeah. And we right. say no out of <laughs> fear. And we're like, we're going to try to say yes to everything. And so to our kids, it's always like, if we can work this out, we will, as long as it's safe and everything yeah, else. But yeah. yeah, there's so much in that. But I, I just think um, authentic relationship takes time. Mm-hmm. Like rich relationships are earned. Like you don't just get them. So it's this is where we as parents have to work hard and take leadership in our homes. I'm a big fan of uh, like family meetings where mm-hmm. your kids feel like they're part of the family and they have a vote in things. Yeah. Family dinners where we talk and are open about life, like what, what's good that happened today, what's bad that happened today. But it's with all those things. And even as a parent or a volunteer, the moment, you know, my kids come in and unlike now I'm doing a podcast, but if I'm on the computer, I put down my mouse, I put down my phone and look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. Because too often we don't. And work for most of us never ends, whether we're yeah. lay, lay people or full time, there's always something that we can do. But Authentic relationships take time they take energy mm-hmm. and so it's something we work at and i think it's probably one of the mo- most important things if we want influence if we want quote-unquote authority with our kids in life it is building that good relationship yeah yeah and i definitely think there's that even that's a small step but a big step and hard just to put your phone down right when they walk into the room or when they have a question i know sometimes i we definitely struggle with that right it's like okay <laughs> i need to just put this down and walk away so i can look at them in the eyes Oh, but what about for those that maybe tend to overparent, right? How can they change and navigate in the season that they're in? And, you know, what's, or maybe what's a step as someone who knows, okay, I do overparent. What is a tangible way that I can um, step back or change what I'm doing so that I can better prepare my kids for the future so that they can grow up and mature and, and do things and be capable instead of me always doing them? Mm. So I have a video on YouTube. I think it's like 50 parenting styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, my list is now over 100. And I think I'm at 120. It just never seems to end. But I mean, there's many parenting styles. I mean, spiritual parenting, we've kind of talked about, right? The mm-hmm. idea we want our kids to love Jesus. Um, some of the newer ones, like Velcro parenting, think of two pieces <laughs> of Velcro stuck together. But our kids who go to college, university, have a hard time pulling that apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Humpty Dumpty parenting, we're worried our kids will fall off the wall and never be able to be put back together again. Mm -hmm. It's a really fascinating line to me because I think that's how we parent. We're so worried, well, what if they fall off a bike? What if they? Um, But overparenting simply means we do too much for our kids. Mm -hmm. So think of like helicopter parenting. We've all heard that one where you hover over and then you swoop in and save the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kamikaze parenting is a similar one. It's also called Blackhawk parenting where you like a Blackhawk (laughs) is a helicopter where you like swoop in and blow everything up. (laughs) But when we over function, our kids under function. And it's one of the important lines to remember when you do too much, they do too little. And this goes this also is in our relationships. It's mm-hmm. in many things. And so we need to make sure that we're not over-functioning. And over-functioning is usually based on fear. It's the what if. And I think one of the best lines from thinking about over-parenting comes from an author named Julie Lithgott Haynes. She wrote a mm-hmm. book called How to Raise an Adult. Fascinating kind of line. Yeah. But she talks about, I'm going to paraphrase, but she talks about how we change from preparing our kids for life And now what we do is we protect them from life. And it's so like that line is one of those lines that I'll never forget. Like we don't prepare like 
there's a line that you, you probably heard I began my, my talk with, like, um, you know, our kids will not be with us forever, so we will prepare them accordingly. It's from yeah. a pastor named Ted Cunningham. I love that. Well, that's the goal of parenting, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we need to prepare our kids. My daughter's now at Western. She's actually at home for the Thanksgiving, but <laughs> she needs to be prepared for all aspects of life. And yeah. my son has a number of months home, but you don't just start parenting a kid at the end of grade 12 and say, oh, we'll start talking about these things now. <laughs> I mean, things like dating begin in grade seven, social mm -hmm. media in grade six and grade five. Yeah. But one thing I would just say simply here is we need to be very practical. Teach, don't tell. Mm -hmm. Like take the most simplistic thing of making your kids lunch. I think this needs to be given to our kids as soon as they can. Now, this is a very different year depending on where your kids are in school or if they're doing school from home, but we need to let our kids be involved with meals. And mm -hmm. I think that's great from shopping to meal planning to cooking to eating to cleaning like it's the whole gamut but yeah. you know if you're there's only so many things you can take for lunch each day anyway so if you're going to school so yeah. put the things on the counter let your kid drop into their bag they're more likely to eat it if they choose it on their own but That's it's just true. the idea yeah. of putting that emotional baggage on other people i know people with university aged kids who still make their lunch oh every God. day <laughs> and we wonder why Julie Lithgott Haynes calls young adults today not quite fully formed humans. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because of us. Like, right. This is where when your kids go to a restaurant when they're young, they order for themselves, not you. Mm -hmm. The moment they can point at McDonald's and say, I want a Happy Meal, they do it. The moment they can get their own drink, the moment they can throw their garbage away, like each, like A, there's some autonomy B they're talking to adults they're learning how to talk to adults mm -hmm. I'm just doing a blog it will come out in the next few weeks um, 10 things you need to learn before your child graduates high school yeah and like one of them is talking to adults you don't just suddenly learn that if mom or dad or whoever your guardian is is always doing that for you yeah uh, so there's a lot uh, making lunches talking to adults ordering at restaurants dealing with money getting your license self-care but we teach kids why they're, they need these things. We yeah. don't just do them. Like there's the why behind it. You know, the reason you go to bed in good time at night is so that you're well rested in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's a simple one. Now, if you're a parent listening and you have teenagers, there is this interesting phenomenon happening because, you know, my son, you might even hear me, he's one room <laughs> over, but I mean, he goes to bed at one in the morning and sleeps until 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. But there is no morning. Like if it's if the morning he doesn't have to go to school, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And the truth is, kids' brains don't shut down at ten o'clock like my forty-nine-year-old brain does. <laughs> it's true, right? Uh. And so it's kind of natural for that. But it's teaching them the why. Why should we be careful when we're on our smartphones? Yeah. We're really quick to say like, hey, you should watch a social dilemma. We'll get rid of all our social media and phones. And it's like I I don't know if that's what the Netflix documentary was really saying, but we need to learn how to work with technology better. Mm -hmm. So how do we teach our kids? So rather than saying, get off your smartphone, we talked about in our house, but you need to have like an hour a day away from your phone. Mm -hmm. And what does it feel like when you're not on call that someone can text you or for kids Snapchat you at any given moment? Yeah. And so this is where we, the idea of teaching, not telling, we have to think of with everything. Yeah. How do we, I actually did this when my kids were really young and in the book I have, I think I put 100 of them, but I did 550 um, days, uh, well, it was almost two years, actually, um, of every day I taught my kids something and I put it on Twitter. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. How to fry an egg, yeah. how to change the tires in a car, how to walk yeah. a dog, how to pick up poop from your dog. Like, <laughs> But each of these things are, like, I know kids who've never picked up poop and they've never learned to take the bag and put it inside yeah. out. Like, these are all just... <laughs> Can't believe we're talking with my first podcast <laughs> talking about dog poop. Well, practical skills, right? <laughs> but each of these things, we're teaching, we're explaining yeah. everything. And from that, I think our kids become more prepared because the goal is that when our kids, and the problem is it's not just when they graduate high school they're prepared because the things our kids are dealing with today, I mean, the even beginning alcohol use in junior high, you know, social media addiction and mm -hmm. phone addiction in junior high. Yeah. Uh, you know, girls uh, who are in grade six, seven, eight, when they get a phone asking for nudes, you know, mm -hmm. all people text them all. Like, our kids need to be prepared for this. Like, when the Bible says my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, I think we use that for everything. I know it's really yeah. out of context. But the truth is, 
if we don't teach our kids how to deal with pornography, they won't have a lens to process it when it comes. Mm -hmm. If we don't teach our kids how to deal with interpersonal relationships, when they have issues, they won't know what to do. Right. And so our overparenting affects our kids when we don't teach and equip them for the crazy world they're growing up in today. And they can, mm -hmm. right? They, they can do these things, but it, it's going to mean a lot of work and a lot of conversations. Yeah, it really is. It is a lot of work, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and even I think for parents that are, you know, maybe they're doing a great job, but there is such a pressure to conform, right? And I even think back to uh, preschool days, you know, when you're at play group and, and there's that bit of pressure that if you're standing out and doing something different, you kind of feel that, oh, I kind of need to conform. Everybody else is doing that. So how can we, you know, stand up to that? How can we, you know, just keep trucking along and keep our eyes on the goal and do it right? Well, there's, there's many levels there. Like one would be conformity from us as Christians, because mm -hmm. we, we live, like we do life different. If we don't do life different, I kind of question, are we Christian by name only? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's another bigger conversation. But, you know, a, a friend of mine, Carrie Oberbrunner, talks about you can conform to the world. Mm -hmm. You can, um, he talks about, you can also, the opposite is kind of like hating the world. Like, you know, yeah. we can flee and run from it. Or you can be a transformist. And I know they're just large terms, but the idea of transforming the culture, I think, is a big one. The problem today is I think we all think we need to conform, but everyone is just doing what they all think they need to do. And I think it's okay to say, well, we do this a bit different in our family. Yeah. Like <laughs> if someone said, like, as long as you, uh, if you're married, this is between you and your spouse. If you're single, and there's many people who are single today, mm -hmm. as long as you've made good decisions on this, and if you're even a grandparent raising a kid today, mm -hmm. you parent for the best of your kid, it doesn't matter what your neighbors, friends, or someone else is doing. Like we have rules, video games or phones, and those rules come into our house, you know, mm -hmm. and if other kids come in and now we've created a fun place for them to come in. But I, I don't, I think we need to not worry about conforming and looking at everyone else. Mm -hmm. I also think conformity usually means status quo and status quo is usually mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> and so True. it's okay to say, we're not going to follow that. I don't care if, you know, yeah. this is how you're going to run your family. We're going to run mine this way. And this mm -hmm. is how we're going to do it. And so I, I, I think we just need to make sure we're thinking through what we do mm -hmm. and we do it for the right reasons. And then the idea of conforming, I mean, if, if someone's doing something that's best practices, that's really great. Well, that's awesome. Then yeah. Yeah. Conform. <laughs> like, <laughs> Conforming doesn't always mean bad, <laughs> right? but if it's something that's not helping or something yeah. that's different for your kid, I mean, many of us too, even the stuff that I wrote in the book, there's a chapter or at least a few paragraphs at the beginning, everything I say might sound great for a kid who doesn't have ADHD mm -hmm. or doesn't have special needs, but if, or a hearing impairment, or like there's a million things, anxiety. And so your kid's a little different. So even the things that I throw out in the book, they might have to be tweaked a little bit or changed a little bit. And so seeing what other parents do and taking the best of what they do and then getting rid of the worst that they do, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a good, good, good practice. Take the good and get rid of the bad. Yeah, that's a great, that's great advice. And can you tell us about the idea of slow parenting? I read that in the book and I thought, ooh, that's kind of great for right now when we do have to slow down. We kind of, everything's gone. Our normal activities are not the same and so maybe this is a moment, if we've never heard of this before, um, to try it out. So tell us a little bit about what slow parenting is. So it's an author named Carl, I say Oner. It has one of those accents on the end, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not great with languages. <laughs> but he wrote a book called um, In Praise of Slow. Now, it's not about slow parenting, but it's about the idea of slowing down, mm -hmm. looking at like, talks about like a European, think of like an Italian dinner where you sit down chorus after chorus. But <laughs> the idea is, is you have, you sit, you chat, you eat, there's more time. Whereas you think of going to a restaurant, like in Canada, or the US, like we rush in, we want our meal in five minutes, we, you know, so slop it down, <laughs> and then we run out like, and so slow parenting is just one of the parenting styles. And some mm -hmm. parenting styles we want to do more of, and some parenting styles we want to do less of. 
less fear-based, less over-parenting, mm-hmm. but more of slow parenting. It just means slow down. Yeah. So just thinking of how we live, like, you know, when we finish recording this, we could both, uh, it's kind of before dinner, but if we had to go prepare dinner, we yeah. could rush downstairs and rush through dinner to rush on the table, to rush everyone in, mm-hmm. to quickly eat, to quickly put the dishes, like, or you can just relax and do the exact same things at a slower pace. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're so busy, we miss the day-to-day things. We miss, you know, that one of our kids is upset. We miss, you know, a comment that was said at school or different things. And now that we're all home, for the most part, a lot of us are home more. Mm-hmm. Just being together. It doesn't have to be TV. Like, we've been playing a lot of uh, the card game Euchre. Oh, nice. Uh, some people, like, <laughs> but find things you do together and have fun together. Our card games are a little bit different. Sorry. <laughs> Exploding kittens and ones like that. Oh, I never <laughs> those. Or the we unstable unicorn. Um, <laughs> Settlers of Catan when they were in, I think it was grade six and grade seven. Yeah. Like the point is you're together and yeah. you're doing things. The idea of slow parenting to me is just the idea of slowing down. I do breathing exercises mm. throughout the day. Even my Apple watch taps me and says, have you breathed? And so it's just, I think it's one minute of slow breathing and this isn't meditation. It's not solitude and silence. Mm-hmm. Even though those things, like I think those things help, those spiritual practices help us in this. Mm-hmm. But this is just take your parenting slower and just relax. And I think too often we're just doing life um, too quick. There's a quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off about something about life passing by you and you won't even know it that <laughs> we always kind of laugh at from decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about your website and your YouTube channel. Uh, I know sure. I've taken a look at it, and uh, and there's so many good videos, honestly. It's fantastic. Where is, should someone start? Like, if they just happen to go onto your website, where would you direct them first, or or what what could you suggest? Sure. So my website's just my name. It's brettalman.com. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I wanted to do for my website is, is – I forget who it was. It was I think it was a guy named Michael Hyatt many years ago. He used to talk about you need to have a landing page. And for me, I wanted one place where people could find almost everything. So yeah. like on the topics that I speak on. So if you click on my site and you click on blogs, a bar opens up and you will find mental health, parenting, dating. One line says sex and porn. There's nothing graphic about that. Mm-hmm. It's looking at how do we help our kids get a biblical worldview in these areas? But even in the far right, after you pass a bunch of other topics, it's like great books, great quotes, great music videos. Like yeah. the idea just being, I want to give people some great resources. So if you're looking for the best books on a topic, even a tough topic like pornography or parenting, mm-hmm. I do these YouTube videos on them. But I don't, I, I'm actually more of a curator, I would say, than a blogger. I don't do these long blogs. I do video blogs once or twice a week yeah. on YouTube, but then I post them on this site. But I curate, meaning I read a lot of content online. And if there's a great quote or something else, like even today, there was a really great quote on parenting I woke up to. And so I posted it in the parenting section. And so in time, like I think I'm at well over a thousand articles, blogs, books, and they're all in one place for you. (laughs) So if you're you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, parenting is really something I want to do better. Well, click on the parenting tab. Mm And then inside that, there's all the other topics as well. So it's it's basically just this landing place for everything. And you'll find all my social media at the top, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube and Instagram. And I, I encourage people to view social media different. Mm. And this kind of uh, – I'm, I'm more and more thinking about this since watching the Netflix documentary um, – what's it called? Uh, Social Dilemma, yeah, yes. which I think everyone should watch. Mm-hmm. But it's just the idea of that we need to – um, completely lost my train of thought there. Isn't that <laughs> there's anxiety okay. for you when you're on a Zoom call? It's okay what because we can always stop. I can cut it and then pick it back up. That's the beauty of it. It's not live. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. You're welcome to leave it if you want to. Okay. That's, this is anxiety at its best. Um, what I was going to say is follow, like, social media becomes a mirror of you. Right. And so if all like every time you click on videos that support certain things, you will get more of those videos that support certain things. Mm-hmm. But what we need to be challenged, like for iron to sharp iron, it takes 
other opinions and thoughts. And so I follow many speakers and many authors who I vehemently disagree with on things. <laughs> but I want to see their content because I'm not right on everything. Oh. So I like, like if I, so like for me, I, my suggestion is like, like all my social media, because you don't see everything everybody posts unless yeah. you go to their site. And so I have a few lists of people that once a week, I actually go to their Facebook page because I want to see what they posted or I go to their website or I subscribe to their newsletters because, and I have that on my site as well, because you'll just see everything someone posts in a given mm -hmm. week. But it just challenges me to get differing viewpoints on things. And so I would encourage people, like for me, you could follow everything, but go when you find an author or someone else, you see, like even in my talk, I promote Alison Schaefer. I really think she's a great speaker on Facebook, but like go to her website, sign up for a newsletter, you know, like her on social media so that when you're, when you click and walk through social media for a few minutes, which we all do, yeah. you're going to find more than just pictures of food and someone's dog and their kids. Yeah. You're going to find, <laughs> here's a really great article today on something. And that mm -hmm. to me is what I, I love the most. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a great tip too, right? Um, and then as a speaker this year, you, and we talked about this earlier, but your year has drastically changed, right? So how have you been using this season to kind of refresh and renew and refocus yourself or, or just be healthy? Well, there's, there's had to have been for me, uh, and I, I hate this term, we all do, the idea of pivoting. Mm -hmm. I, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like many people. I'm like people at camps and, uh, you know, some like camps aren't running. Even speaking is very, very slow as we yeah. all trying to figure this out. If you're in children's ministry and youth, some of us are running, some of us are not. Um, but I've had to kind of look at what does the next few years entail for me? Mm -hmm. And it might mean, and it probably will mean I'm going to have to get a part-time job somewhere to facilitate, you know, keeping what I'm doing and that's okay. But I've decided to put every everything that I speak on into an online course. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking some of the digital downloads I might have for a talk, like yeah. mental health. And rather than you just having a, here's my hour and 20-minute talk, in a digital online course, I can put all my YouTube videos. I can give you a copy of my reset book for free. I can, you know, I can put everything in that topic together. Mm -hmm. And then I've filmed a few new talks. I filmed my navigating everything kind of designed for an online course. And so I think an online course is a really great idea to walk people through step by step yeah. kind of what to do. And I've been working really hard to get this new course on men out, which hopefully will be out by Christmas. But the idea of just refreshing um, when COVID I say began, do you remember March? Do you remember when yeah. school suddenly <laughs> said you're it's uh, March break is two weeks lengthened. Yeah. Like, that's never happened. And I remember saying to both our kids over dinner one night, something's happening. Yeah. We don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. We don't know how long it will be, but something's happening. And so we just said, why don't we in this season um, do something every day for the body, for the mind, and for the soul? Okay. See, social media, I, I find very negative sometimes because mm -hmm. people began saying things like that. And then people pushed back and it's like, well, as long as you're surviving your day, that's all you need to do. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who did nothing. They spent month after month just watching five hours a day of TV. And now they're not doing well, you know, yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so, yeah, we're all having days that are really hard, all yeah. of us. And that's okay. But I do think I love the idea of every day, do something for the body. Mm-hmm eat better, sleep more, exercise. Like I'm, I've been walking almost every day since last January Wow! and it incorporates for me a lot of things like a it's exercise mm -hmm. B it, it's a bit of um, the mind and a bit of the soul. Like I can put on music. I do a lot of podcasts or sermons or just mm -hmm. walking in nature is really how I kind of experience Bob. But we kind of just said that uh, to our kids and that's kind of how my wife and I have been living too. And just trying to acknowledge everything good that happens. Like we have a gratitude jar downstairs and oh, cool. especially for people like me who struggle with anxiety. Yeah. It's a, we look at the world with kind of a very dark viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And even people like a lot of the memes online are like 2020, like it was the worst year ever. And, <laughs> but true. in that we're missing those moments that were really special. Yeah. 
being home with my family during COVID was really special. Mm-hmm. And here's the, we're losing the, the ability to have critical thought. Like if I post that online, someone would say, well, like someone I know died of COVID. And I'm like, me saying that things are at home does not take away from something else. Like everyone has different experiences. I have people mm-hmm. who I know whose two people are working. I know people who like my family, my wife's still working as a nurse and I'm kind of struggling. I know people who both people are struggling. And so, yeah. But we're just losing the ability to listen. Mm. But for me, I, I, it's been an interesting season. But the idea of looking at every day of, you know, what are the things that we can take out of it? Was it a good dinner that we had? Like mm-hmm. today, we had a, I, I had a chance to do a podcast today. So I might have had a speaking date canceled I was supposed to do today. Yeah. But I had a chance to speak with you. And then hopefully, you know, this goes out to a lot of other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely... I know that term pivot, right? We've used it a lot. And and just looking for that positive, that's such a great way to think about it and to spend that time because some of us, our kids are definitely getting older and they're going to be gone mm-hmm. so quickly. So it's kind of neat to be able to spend this time with them that we otherwise might not have gotten. Yeah. Um, and so I'm thinking for those that are volunteer in our local church and they work with children or teens or students, uh, that are in college or university, what advice would you have for those that are listening, that are volunteer, that work with this age group? Advice for them or advice on what they're doing with yeah. the students? <laughs> maybe, maybe both, right? What's something that you can encourage them with? I think we need to be very open to doing things different. Mm. If what we're doing isn't working, then stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my talk on media, it's called Media, Faith, and Culture. Uh, faith is about spiritual disciplines. And a woman once said, like, my prayer life isn't working. And I'm like, then don't do the same thing you did for the last six months. Yeah. Like, it, and she's like, well, what do you want me to try? And I'm like, well, why don't you go walk around your neighborhood and pray for your neighbors? And she actually said, well, you want me to yell at their houses? And I'm like, <laughs> that's really weird. <laughs> no. But the point is yeah. trying something different. And so yeah. – we, I think, in church keep doing the same things, mm-hmm. even though we know statistically everything's not good. Now, I'm not a sky is falling. Like sometimes we see these stats of 90% of kids walk away from faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a bit high. And it is, I mean, there's great research from a Canadian paradigm we can see uh, with these. Um, but everything's not good. We do yeah. know that. Like, I mean, I grew up in a youth group of 120 to 150 people, and I don't know if more than a dozen actually are still in church. And so the question is, what we do has to be strategic. And Mm -hmm. we need to make sure, like thinking of navigating everything, if you were to say to a kid, well, here's an interesting study. They polled, I forget how many thousands of people in the U.S. asking, Mm -hmm. what do you want your church to talk about? Oh, great question. Like number one, mental health. Wow. Number two, sex. Like it was very clear. And then on the right was, what does your church talk about? there wasn't one thing that was the same on either list. Oh, wow. And it was one of those moments that my, I did my master's at Wheaton grad school. And one of my profs one day said that the church is answering questions that no one's even asking. Mm. And it's a really interesting, like, again, I'm not slamming pastors, but I'm just saying, what are we doing? What are we speaking on? When I speak on mental health on a Sunday morning service and someone says, I've never heard the term mental health in Christianity ever used in my life. Mm-hmm. And the person's 50. Wow. And I'm like, oh my goodness. how? Like some churches address that. Yours is one of them. I, I was yeah. at your church a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Some churches, we just keep doing what we think we need to do. And in that people are really struggling. Mm-hmm. And so we do need to look at like, and whether like, I mean, I'm a topical person. I'm still looking at, though, for mental health as Christians, what do we do? How do we have a biblical worldview of sexuality? I'm not saying you have to cover everything on a Sunday, but yeah. we need to equip our kids and equip our parents to be able to do things. And the church is a great place to be able to do all those things. And so I would encourage us, and I always kind of say Home Depot's slogan is, you can do it, we can help. Yeah. And so <laughs> you as a leader, like a volunteer even leader in your church, need to engage in these things and if you don't know what to do i mean here's a podcast like this there are all kinds of leaders and authors and people all Mm -hmm. over who speak and and write on these topics and you can get some help and it's okay if someone if a parent says to you how do i do x my kid's struggling with porn what do i do you can say thank you so much for telling me i'm going to get back to you with some really great resources yeah oh for sure and then you message someone or you 
you know, find that chapter in my book and, and find at the end of every chapter in my book, I've suggested readings yeah. and suggested websites and stuff for you. Yeah, I saw that. That's so well laid out. Yeah. But I just I would encourage, especially like for volunteers, for it doesn't matter for volunteer or paid, ministry is hard sometimes because we mm-hmm. don't see like we talk about we don't see fruit. Like mm-hmm. we, we we see kids I mean, if you're in, in youth or kids, you might see kids for one hour per week. That's it. Yeah. And the statistics say people come to church, it's roughly 50% statistically. They'll come two Sundays a month, if that. And now, I mean, the stats are really uh, – yeah. I've been doing a podcast called Church Pulse Weekly. It's mm-hmm. with uh, David Kenneman from Barna and Carrie Newhoff. And the stats of people who aren't even listening to church. I mean, we put out content, and they're not even turning it on. Yeah. But we need to look at a way to engage in that time we have and then looking at how do we equip them i mean whether it's monthly books or other things how do we how do we take that one hour and make that one hour more than one hour each week Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and do you even see maybe a different way that we can reach out to kids and families like something different as we navigate this season or unique like have you have any do you have any thoughts on that or ways that we can reach um reach out to our community the kids or teenagers well Andy Stanley, uh, most of us who in the church world know Andy. He's at North Point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Chicago. I think he's in a, is it Nashville, uh, Atlanta. Is it Atlanta, I think? I think it's Atlanta. Yeah. But when he, um, uh, back, I think it was August, said his church isn't going to meet until um, January, like 2021, mm-hmm. what he said is, I'm freeing up my volunteers and my, my leaders to go in and try to engage different Mm-hmm. And they just said, rather than, oh, we might be back next week, we might be back next week, it's go take four months and go and figure it out. Yeah. And I think we just need to throw out all of the the manuals of how we've always done something. If it's working, keep doing it and even find better ways to do it. But if it's yeah. not, I was hearing uh, some pastors in the United States who are hiring YouTubers to edit their videos. Oh, wow. <laughs> and at first I'm like, what a dumb idea. And I'm like, well, actually, that's a brilliant idea. Like, because we're used to watching YouTube, and especially yeah. for a YouTube generation of teens and young adults, yeah. when you click on a 55-minute sermon, which is poor quality, poor audio, and yeah. just not connecting the They're kids, not watch. but if it's cut like a YouTube thing and it's been pushed down to 20 minutes or something, I'm like, well, oh, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, even churches just, just getting kids to do things. I know some churches have been... Um, I think it was a church in Aurelia, Connexus. They actually did backpacks for teachers. Oh, nice. And people were able to get involved. I know, uh, you know, just maybe you're getting food for a food bank or doing different things. There are tangible Mm -hmm. things that you can do in your community, especially as we head into Christmas. And there's a lot of people struggling, Mm -hmm. you know, as as food banks and different things, you know, have less food because there's more people getting it. Kids love tangible things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In the Toronto area, there used to be something called, um, well, we all know the the shoe boxes that we do at Christmas time. Yeah. I think it's Operation Mobilization. But in Toronto, there was one by the Toronto Star called the Santa Claus Fund. And so this was a mainstream thing. And we would, when our kids were tiny, we would go take these and deliver them in the community where we live in Ajax and throughout Durham. Oh, fun. That's awesome. And so this is where we as parents and leaders just need to find any way to connect. I know youth pastors who didn't stop youth ministry all summer. They met every week in a park. Oh, cool. And they just said, every single week, I'm going to be in my chair right here with my iced coffee, and anyone wants to come. And they said people came every week yeah. because everyone's bored. Yeah. And so they like kids want to be seen. They want to be listened to. And so give them a place to be seen and listened to. And everyone, every church has different things of social distancing and how it's done. Yeah. But any chance that we can be together and you can see kids and just talk, There was a church that really kind of rocked my world in the U.S. So the first day they came back after like seven months or whatever, five months, whatever it was, people all came in and they had the rows were not facing the front. There were two sets of rows facing each other. And so it would be like your family and mine. We would you would sit and socially distance apart. We would sit and you had 10 minutes to chat. You might know them. You might not. After 10 minutes, one row got up and took their chairs and moved like musical chairs down to the next family. You saw four families, oh. and they had iced coffee. There were hundreds of iced coffees from McDonald's, they said, and donuts. Yeah. At the end of the day, the pastor said, my sermon's online, worship's online, we'll see you next week. <gasps> what a neat idea. He, 
and he said people cried. Yeah. Because what people need desperately right now is to know what to do with their mental health. Mm -hmm. What people need desperately right now is to say, I don't know my kid at all. I've been a workaholic and I'm suddenly at home. What do I do? And these are the things that we need to really help people to equip and deal with. And loneliness and alienation is one of those. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's reaching out, even through Zoom or whatever, to, you know, to your kids and seeing them. I know people who've gone, uh, oh, someone told me that what they did was they went door by door and gave iced coffees to the whole family. (laughs) And they said, we're going to visit every single person on our church registry. Wow. And it was just a five-minute drop-off. Yeah. And they, they didn't make it, so we have to talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. But again, try, try anything. And this is what I'm interested in, looking at the innovations of what mm-hmm. people are doing and what's working and what's not. Because I think this is going to be a longer season than we think. And so we need to keep trying because we're hearing lots of negative stats. But yeah. if what we're doing isn't working, rather than just saying, oh, it's done, well, what can we change? What yeah. are some things that I could do that might Make, might make it better. Yeah, and it's so good. I love hearing your ideas because I just did uh, an episode with Pastor Matt and Pastor Bill, and so that launched, and we talk about different ways that they've been trying to connect with the community, and so it's so great to hear mm-hmm. different ways. I know Pastor Bill, his big thing was he has a squirrel, squirrel costume <laughs> that he went around <laughs> to meet with different families, right? So just something unique and different that can bring a smile, I think, and just show everybody that we're loving them and, and we miss them. Uh, I have a man in my community who runs in a Spider-Man suit, top to bottom. (laughs) And (laughs) it is just every time you see it, you're kind of like, oh, it's dumb. And then you smile and you go, but I kind of like it. I know, right? (laughs) And he says in our papers, he just wants to brighten everyone's day. That would. Oh, my goodness. It would make you laugh, right? And chuckle. Yeah. Well, I know another way that has been encouraging people as they listen is um, just a verse or a passage. And is there a verse or passage that you could share that has spoken to you over this past time that others might find helpful? Um, it's interesting what we read in dark times. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, I was at home, and people can find my talk, Hope for the Walking Wounded, on YouTube. But I was at home for almost a year, and I was reading Ecclesiastes and Job and Lamentations no. and things. Um <laughs> I think one of the most simple verses for me would be 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Mm-hmm. Therefore, therefore, we don't lose heart. And I, I mean, the rest of it, like, there's a whole rest of that, but like, don't lose heart. And I just, that's a simple thing for me that mm-hmm. I, you know, we know God is with us in this journey. We don't know how it will turn out, but don't lose heart. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I posted something last night that just said, keep going. Mm-hmm. I keep going like wh- whatever we're doing keep going keep moving forward no matter how you're feeling and having bad days mm-hmm. and so don't lose heart I think that's probably the verse I'd give you second Corinthians four sixteen. okay that's fantastic we'll put that in our show notes for sure okay and um the best way that someone can connect with you how would that uh would they just go to your website and then they can send you an email or connect with you on social media there my website or all social media, mm-hmm. I answer all my own messages. If you write me and I don't get back within about three days, you've probably been eaten by my email spam filter, which oh, is no. like 5,000 emails <laughs> a day. So just send me another one. But okay. a- anyway, I, 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 I check them all. That's fantastic. Well, Brett, this has been an amazing conversation. I think it's going to be so helpful to everybody who's listening and hears it. Um, And just that they can pick up the book. I'm going to put a link on our show notes so that they can see where to buy it and how to contact you. And I know you are fantastic to talk to if they have any questions. So I highly encourage people to reach out to you. And again, just thank you so much for sharing with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. For our listeners, we want you to stay connected with all that is happening with the 412 Canada podcast and our next conference coming up in May 2021. The best way to stay connected is to sign up for our email at 412.ca. That's F-O-U-R 12.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes to read about all that we talked about. There's links to resources and ways to connect with Brett. Please like and share this episode on social media and with all your friends and leave a review so that we can better equip you. I hope our time together has equipped you and I'd love to hear about where you're serving and what equips you. 
please message at 412 Canada on our social media platforms or email getequipped at 412.ca. Looking forward to next time on the 412 Canada podcast. Thanks for listening to the 412 Canada podcast. We hope this episode has equipped you for greater influence through serving. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and consider leaving a review on the app you use. The 412 Canada podcast is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. Explore everything 412 Canada at 412.ca. Thanks again for spending time with us. See you next time.